0: today we're going to be looking at a thought that, admit, that many people have that God will never put more on you than you can handle. Hey, that sounds great, right? Some of you have even probably told a friend that this week when they're going through hard times trying to encourage them. Hey, remember what the Bible says. God will never put on you more than you can handle. The only problem with that is the Bible doesn't say that anywhere. Truth is, it doesn't say that anywhere. Matter of fact, uh, last week I talked about how we think God is here to make us happy. We think God is here to be our servant. It's the other way around. But a lot of people, I think, misquote this scripture. I hear it a lot. Even after I have preached on it a few times, I still hear it. Uh, but I think they make the mistake of misquoting 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where the Apostle Paul is talking about something, but it's something different. But listen to what Paul has to say in uh, verse 13. Says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. This scripture, by the way, has nothing to do with the pressures in life, it has everything to do with the temptations in life. In chapter 10, the entire chapter, the Apostle Paul is talking about temptation. And he's talking about idolatry. So for us to take this one verse of Scripture out of context and say that God will never put on us more than we can bear or more than we can handle is really an abuse of God's Word because that verse does not say he will never put on us more than we can face or handle. Um, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul puts this in perspective when it comes to troubles. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, About the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. So this is serious. He's actually saying there was so much pressure on me and my ministry team that we couldn't handle it. Look at verse 9. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. Again, it's pretty serious when you're talking about death but this happened that we might not rely on who? On ourselves. This all happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on who? But on God who raises the dead. This all happened that we might not rely on good old self and rely on a God that is powerful enough to raise the dead. And I'm sure this morning that some of you, maybe many of you walked into this church with some problems saying, I'm ready to give up, I'm ready to quit, I'm ready to throw in the towel, and God, I just can't handle this anymore. My marriage, my job, my kids, and you fill in the blank, whatever it might be. You're saying, God, if you don't do something, and if you don't do it soon, it's all over. I'm sure there are people here today that you came in with problems that are overwhelming. You're ready to give up. And I think one of the reasons we're ready to give up is because we believe the lie that I'm talking about this morning that God will never put on us more than we can handle. Because when things happen, and they will, that are more than we can handle in this life, then all of a sudden we think, well, God must not be that good of a God. Or God might not even be a a real God at all. Let me just tell you this this morning. There is a God. He is very real. He is very uh, powerful. And he knows exactly who you are, where you are, what you're dealing with in life right now. And it is my prayer through this message that you'll receive some hope. Even if you have believed that lie that God will never put on you more than you can handle, that you'll receive some hope. Because God will put on you more than you can handle. God will put on you and I more than we can handle so that we can stop boasting in our own strength, in our own gifts, our own talents, our own abilities, and become desperate for him become desperate for his strength, his gifts, his talents, his power. One reason he allows more to be put on us than we can handle is for us to realize that we're not that good. Flat out, we're not that good. Flat out, we're not that strong, and we need God. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it really amazing how much we realize we need God when you run across hard times, when all hell is breaking loose in your life, when, when everything is falling apart, your life is being derailed? All of a sudden, we realize we need God. When everything is just coasting along like a breeze and everything is good, how many have found out you don't seem to need God as much? But you let some hell start breaking loose in your life, and all of a sudden, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. Actually, believe it or not, that's part of his design. That is actually part of his design. We're going to look at three things from this passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 this morning. And if you're taking notes, the first thing we're going to look at is the problem. The problem. We all have problems. Some of you walked in here with problems. Some of you are sitting next to your problem. Don't point. (laughs) Some of you checked your problem across the street into children's church or into the nursery. Amen. We've all got problems. Well, there's a guy in our scripture that I'm going to be talking about this morning by the name of Jehoshaphat. He had problems. And you already start feeling sorry for this guy because you growing up with a name like Jehoshaphat, you've heard every fat joke there is. Amen? I mean, think about it. Feel sorry for that guy. But the thing is, he was a king. Jehoshaphat was a king. He was actually the king of Judah, which was the southern region of Israel at the time. They had a north kingdom, south kingdom. And Jehoshaphat was a good king. He had a heart for the things of God. In fact, the first thing he did was go in and tear down all the idols in the land. So he, when he started, he's rolling with God. He's on fire for God. Second Chronicles chapter 18, we see how he has some issues. He does a little backsliding. Chapter 9, he gets back on track. He starts seeking God again. Then in chapter 20, some things start happening. So look what it says in chapter 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Meunites, a lot of ites out there, amen, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. You may not realize how big a deal this was, but it was a big deal because for years, God had spared Judah from war. He had protected them from enemy attacks for years. Everything is going great, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, bam, a problem hits them that they didn't see coming. A problem just knocks them off their feet. They weren't ready for this attack, and this was definitely one of those uh, more than we can handle moments more than we can handle type of situations, and this is the thing about problems, and I know I'm not telling any of you anything new today, problems hit us out of the blue. Amen? We don't see them, they just show up on our doorstep, they overwhelm us, they hit us unexpectedly and overwhelm us, knock us off our feet. I used to wrestle with my son Austin uh, when he was little, I wouldn't even want to do that today. But I used to wrestle with him when he was little. We used to wear each other out wrestling in our living room. One night when he was a little guy, we were wrestling, and we wore each other out. So we finally just sat down, and we started watching television. Uh, About 30 minutes later, all of a sudden, wham, in the back, I get a shot. Well, what had happened, Austin started wrestling and didn't tell me. Amen. He started back (laughs) wrestling. He thought he had an open shot, and he took it. Uh, You know, if I'd have known it was coming, I might have dodged him. I might have blocked it. But it hit me out of the blue, and I was shocked, and yeah, I got mad. I was upset. I wanted to wear his little rear end out. Some of you are all for timeouts. The only outs I remember at home was the time it took for my rear end to cool off after Dad gave me a whooping. And you might say, well, Pastor, that's not politically correct. Well, it was at our house at the time, <laughs> amen? But my point is the problem came out of nowhere. It hit us out of the blue, and that's how problems hit us. We're not ready for them. We don't see them coming. You never see them coming, and there are some people here today that I know problems have hit you out of the blue, knocked you off your feet. You don't know how you're going to handle them today, and you never saw them coming in the first place. Well, don't give up hope. This story I'm reading about today is full of hope. Look at verse 2. So men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar. So he's got these guys coming to Jehoshaphat, warning the king that this vast, huge, uh, invincible army is coming after them, coming against them. I can just imagine those guys saying, hey, look here, king, uh, we got him on uh, Google Maps. Uh, They're right at our back door. There's no time to prepare. We don't have time to mobilize and get ready for this battle. So it's a serious situation. Verse 3 proves that because the first word starts out, alarmed. Alarmed which is Hebrew for I'm having a heart attack. Or it could be Hebrew for other things that I probably better not say from up here. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Isn't that what we should do when we get in trouble? Is that what we do? A lot of times we don't. Listen to what he did. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. It says in verse 4, The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. If you skip down to verse 12, there's a key verse here. Uh, As Christians, we believe the lie that we should have a solution to every problem we face. And some of us have believed that lie that God will never put on us more than we can handle. But look how uh, Jehoshaphat handles this situation. He says, oh, our God, will you not judge them? What he's actually saying is, God, you're going to have to handle these guys because we can't. He's going on and he says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. He's just honestly saying, God, we cannot handle this. I think the reason God allows us to be put in situations that we cannot handle is so that we stop boasting in our own strength and we realize that we cannot handle anything without God. And Jehoshaphat, this king that's above everyone else, stands in humility before his whole kingdom and he says, God, I can't handle this. God, we can't handle this. I think the godliest prayer we could ever pray sometimes is to get down on our knees and get honest with God and say, God, I can't handle this. Let me just say that doesn't mean you're weak. To me, that means you're wise. Doesn't mean you're weak, that means you're wise looking at the right place for your help. Not only can we not handle this, he says, but we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. He was honestly saying, God, we're in an overwhelming situation. None of us know what to do. We need you. What he was, was desperate for God. He had got to a point in his life he was desperate for God and knew nothing else would work. In times of trouble, I want to give you three emotions that we go through if you're taking notes. The first one is anger. We all get angry at times, and some of you might be in this room today, and for some reason you're mad at God. And we know why we get mad at God for the most part, most of the times, is because we run against situations in our lives that are completely out of our control. They're completely out of our control makes you a little frustrated makes you a little angry I don't know about you but tax time every year. I I get angry. I get frustrated tax time real estate tax time You go in and you protest your real estate taxes. They go down for a little while and then they start shooting back up It's frustrating. It's maddening I only said that to say that god will let the wheels come off of your life sometimes. Do you realize that? He will literally let the wheels come off of your life or around your life to remind you and me that we are not in control. We are not in control. And I just want to say this this morning in this world that we live in, none of us are in control. We're not in control. We can leave this morning and not make it home. Why? Because we're not in control. We don't understand all that, but we're not in control. A few years ago, people were freaking out over over the swine flu, right? Afraid everybody's going to die. It's going to be a pandemic, epidemic, whatever. And it's gonna be all over. I had some people say, Pastor, aren't you worried about the swine flu? I say, Not really. Not because it's because I can't change it. I can't do anything about it. You can't either. Uh, they said, Well, what if you get it and you die? Well, I'll get to see Jesus a little sooner, Amen. After I get sick and throw up, then I'll get to see Jesus. I'm just saying in tough times, look on the bright side, Amen. And that's the brightest side you can look on. But there are some people in this room, for some reason, you're angry at God, you're mad at God. And when we get mad at God, sometimes we look at God and say, God, this isn't fair. God, you're just not a fair God. I said a few weeks ago, thank God he's not a fair God. Because if he was a fair God, we would all be going to hell. (laughs) Just the honest point. But he's a just God, not a fair God. We evaluate things and we say, God, they're doing a whole lot more sinning over there than I am. Go get them. Let me have a break. I mean, treat me right, treat me fair. It doesn't work that way. Second emotion, if you're taking notes, is confusion. Anybody ever experienced confusion? Maybe you've been told that if you do everything right and you love Jesus, nothing bad will ever happen to you in your life. You ever heard that? Some people have been taught that. The only problem with that is when something bad happens in your life, all of a sudden people are pointing their fingers saying he must have sin in his life. They must not have enough faith in their life. All I'm saying is when life happens, and it's full of problems. So when life happens and the wheels come off of your life, you get confused. I get confused when we have that attitude and we say, God, what did I do? What did I do wrong? You know, the only problem with that lie that says if you are out there doing nothing but good and bad things happen, if you believe that lie, the only problem to that lie is Jesus. Jesus is the chief problem to that lie because he was perfect among anyone, anywhere, forever, And he died hanging on a cross. uh, Think about the Apostle Paul who loved God with all of his heart. He lost his head to a Roman axe. How about the Apostle Peter, the most popular of the disciples? He was crucified upside down. And with all of these guys, it wasn't because they had sin in their life and it wasn't because they lacked faith. It was because they were radically loving and following Jesus and put them in some pretty bad situations. So my point, the deal is this morning... You can be radically loving and following Jesus and doing everything right, and all hell can be breaking loose in your life. So let me ask you this morning, can you handle that? Can you handle that on the scale that it could be? Let me say, most of us can't. None of us can. But God is here to help us handle whatever we need to handle. My third point when it comes to emotions is despair. There are some people right now that you came in here and you are despairing of life in some area of your life. Things have just totally, the wheels have totally come off of your life. You're in despair. You might even hate your life itself because everywhere you look, there's nothing but trouble. You never saw the problem coming. That's how storms hit. That's how problems hit. It'd be like you having a pain going to the doctor, expecting him to just say, go home, take it easy, get some rest, take some Motrin, and he tells you you have cancer. You didn't see it coming. It could be like the young couple expecting a baby They go to the doctor for a sonogram and they can't find a heartbeat. You didn't see it coming. It could be like the married couple that have been married for years and spouses walk in one day and says, hey, uh, I'm leaving you for someone else. You didn't see it coming. Those are only a few things. We've all got our whole line of problems in our life. But let me just say this morning, there are people in this room that you are in despair because some problem has hit you. Well, this story in 2 Chronicles is right up your alley for a purpose. To give you hope this morning in 2 Chronicles, there was a problem. That was my first point. But anytime you have a problem, guess what? When you've got Jesus in your problem, you also have a solution. Amen? That's my second point, solution. Yeah, we're all going to have problems, but with Him, He brings solutions. But in order to find those solutions, we just can't sit there and do nothing We've got to act in faith. We've got to exercise faith. We've got to get up and make a move because he's not finished with you. I hear people say all the time when they get at their lowest sometimes, God's finished with me. Well, if he was finished with you this morning, he, you, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here this morning. He always has a solution. Verse 13, he spells out the solution in my story. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones, does it say they went to the ball field and played ball? No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that at all. That's not a bad thing. But when real trouble hits in your life, you need to teach them how to find Jesus. Oh, that curveball is nice, but it's not going to help when you get in desperate times. When everything gets broken, when you get in desperate times, you need to teach that family how to find and follow Jesus. So look what Jehoshaphat and all the men of Judah did and their families. They stood there before the Lord. So when their lives were at its worst, when their lives were breaking down and falling apart, what did those men do? They grabbed up their families, and they stood before the Lord. I think that's a pretty good solution that you and I could learn something from. Amen? Grab up your family, hold them before the Lord, and stand by Him and before Him in faith. Verse number 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. I think one of the godliest things that you and I can do is to go home, get by ourselves, get honest with God and say, God, my life is derailed. God, the wheels are coming off of my life. God, all hell is breaking loose in my life. And God, I'm here to listen to you because I need to hear what you have to say. You're never going to get through your situation until you take time. And it might be through reading the Word. It might just be meditating on God. It might be taking time in prayer. But you're never going to get through your situation and your trouble until you take time to listen to what God has to say about your problem. The great thing about this story, not only did Jehoshaphat take time, but his whole kingdom took time to hear what God had to say about their problem. He goes on and says this, Do not be afraid or discouraged. This is God speaking. With this enemy, vast enemy coming at you, he says, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours today. The battle you're going through that looks so hopeless is not yours today. It's God's. The battle is not mine. It's God's. So I want you to do a little exercise with me this morning. I want you to take your situation, take your problem, and put it in this verse where the battle is. It can change the whole dynamic. It can change a hopeless situation and turn it into a hopeful situation. It can read like this, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the cancer is not yours but God's. This cancer is not yours, it's God's. It's in God's hands. He's calling the shots. If He uses it to take you home to be with Him, praise God, you'll be with Him forever. But if He uses it to heal your body, you can glorify Him in what He's done. Either way, if you're going through that right now, you trust in God. He's going to see you through this. One way or the other, He's going to bring healing into your life. But that's not your cancer. That's God's cancer. God's a big God with big shoulders. Let Him worry about it. We just move forward in faith and trusting that He's going to take care of it. How about this one? For your marriage is not yours, but God's. That bad marriage isn't yours, but it's God's. That bad marriage isn't yours, and He knows how to heal it. And if he's done it before, he can do it again. And if he's done it for someone else, he can do it for you. And by the way, he wants to do it for you. So again, the battle is not yours, but it's God's. The only thing is he's just waiting for us to get desperate enough to surrender it all over to him. How about this one? For the wayward child is not yours, but God's. Some of you have a child like the prodigal son out there, uh, living in the pig pen, going wild, walking totally away from God. You're throwing up your hands, wondering, God, what in the world can I do? What am I going to do? Let me tell you something about that child. God loves that child more than you love that child, if you can imagine that. He loves that child more than you love that child, and that child, he, him or her, belong to the Lord. So how about not giving up on the God who's never given up on you? And how about not giving up on the God that's never going to ever give up on your kids? How about this one? For the job loss is not yours, but God's. God knew you were going to lose that job before you even got the job. God knew you were going to lose the job, and nothing that happens is any surprise to God. But regardless of what battle or trouble you're in, the battle isn't yours. It doesn't even belong to you. The battle is not yours. But part of the solution is for us to quit saying, I can handle this. I can handle this, because we can't. We had to get honest before God and say, God, the wheels are coming off. I cannot handle this. I'm surrendering it over to you. Look at verse 16. God tells them, tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the paths of Ziz. Let me just say this. Right now, that caught me by, uh, when I thought about that scripture, God already knew where that enemy was going to be tomorrow. He already knew they were going to be at such and such place, climbing up at a such and such time. Let me tell you, he knows about every move of your enemy. He knows about every move that's going to happen. So anyway, tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the paths of Ziz, and you will find them at the edge of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. Often the enemy is used by God as a tool in his hand to bring him glory. And by the way, if you've got a misconception of that, God and Satan are not in this cosmic spiritual boxing match, and God's just going to get lucky enough in the end to hit him with that last blow and win the match. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it has worked. Jesus already won the match. Jesus is already victorious. He won it on the cross. He won it by shedding his own blood. So they're not duking it out and God just winning at the last second. Because God is ruling and he's reigning and he's still in control. God tells him in verse 17, you will not even have to fight this battle. You won't even have to fight this battle. Take up your positions so you still have to do something. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. He said, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Some of you need to hear what I just said this morning. Because you're fighting a battle right now, you need to know that you're not fighting that battle alone. God is with you in the battle. He's with you through and through. He's with you in it. He's actually ahead of you. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. But you've got to move on. You've got to move on in faith and trust Him. You know, it might seem like a huge deal to you right now, and I'm not making light of it. But on the other side of eternity, you're going to be able to look back and say, God, you were there all the time. You were with me every moment, every step of the way. But you've got to move on. And the big thing is, don't let what you're going through today derail you. Don't let what you're going through today ruin the potential for the rest of your life. One time I got this, let's just say it was like a thousand calorie milkshake. It's one of those big ones. And it had whipped cream on the top. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you are milkshake fans. Anyway, I was sharing it with Austin and Cheryl, believe it or not. I was. And we were in the car and there was this fly buzzing around. And all of a sudden, this fly landed and got stuck in my whipped cream. Cheryl goes, that's disgusting. Throw that thing out. I wasn't about to do that. (laughs) I took my spoon and I dipped it into that whipped cream and I flicked that fly out. And I started eating my ice cream. Cheryl goes, you're disgusting. That is out and out disgusting. But I moved on because I wasn't about to let that little fly ruin my ice cream. I'm going to bring this back home because some of you are going through some serious situations. You're going through some real problems that are overwhelming in your life. But on the other side of eternity, they're going to look like that fly in the whipped cream. Amen? And you need to have enough courage to flick that thing out of your life and keep going. Because the honest part is we've got a God who doesn't worry about things like we worry about things. He doesn't fret. He doesn't get overwhelmed. He lets us get overwhelmed sometimes only so he can get us to a place where we can say, God, I give up. I can't handle this by myself anymore. I need your help, and I'm tired of trying to do things my own way. I trust in you. Look at verse 20. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Think about these guys. They didn't have a battle plan. They didn't have a strategy. Their army was far from being prepared. The only thing that Jehoshaphat had was the fact that God had told him everything is going to be okay. And what was God's plan? To march. Was it to march away from the enemy? No, it was to march toward the enemy. Do you realize as Christians, we are not to run from our enemy. We're to march toward the problem, toward the enemy. We're not to run and put our tail between our legs and hide. We're to play offense and not defense, amen? Too many Christians are out there playing defense. We are to run up the score on the enemy because I don't know if you have read it or not, but in the end of this book, guess what? We win. We win. As followers of Christ, you and I win. Realistically, you might be still in a situation where you're overcome, where you think you're losing, you're being crushed, but one of these days, Jesus is coming back and he's going to totally get rid of the enemy once and for all, crush him once and for all. So my point is we don't need to back down when we have problems. We move forward. Move forward in faith. I don't have to know what God's going to do. I just have to trust him that he's going to do whatever needs to be done, and I just have to do the part of moving forward in faith and doing the trusting. Jehoshaphat comes up with a military strategy, you would think, where is your mind? You are out of your mind. Look what he says in verse 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. He's putting his worship team at the head of the army. He's putting them out in front of the battle. I can hear his soldiers, his army men saying, hey, wait a minute, fatty, uh, I think you got things wrong. Hey, wait a minute here, uh, how about putting the archers out front? They have some arrows. How about fr- putting the cavalry out front? They have some horses. And Jehoshaphat's like, no, I think I'm going to put my worship team out front. At this point in the battle, I don't think we can do anything but praise God. Because we are so outnumbered and we are so overwhelmed that we can't do anything but praise God to see what he's going to do. And he goes on and he says, we're going to say, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Can you imagine being one of the worship team? Uh, you guys are going to be on the front lines. Yeah, you got your horn with you. That'll be a great battle, a uh, great uh, weapon. He puts them on the front lines, but I believe that he had a worship team that were saying, we don't have anything else to do but praise God. God is good when times are good. God is good when times are bad. God is good when times are good. God is good when we're marching to our death, and this looks like we're going to lose this one, but I'm going to still praise him. I'm going to still say, God, you are good. Your mercy and your love still endure forever. You know, I think that's how you and I would get a lot further if we'd handle every problem we face in life. Is to say, God, I don't know if this child is going to come to you on this side of eternity, but God, you're still good. You're still a loving God. Your mercy and your love still endure forever. God, I don't know if I'm going to be healed from this cancer, but God, you're still good. Your mercy and your love still endures forever. God, I don't know if this marriage is going to be restored, but God, you're still good. Your love and your mercy endures forever. Look what happens when they decide to praise God first. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men of Seir, they helped destroy one another. Did you catch that? They didn't have to fight the battle. God was fighting the battle for them. When they began to worship God in spite of their circumstances, all of a sudden the big God that he is stepped in and did what only God could do. He got the enemy turned around. He got the enemy turning on each other and defeating each other. Only God could do that. Amen? Only God could do that. So I would say this morning, with all that you've heard this morning, what's your response going to be? I think our response should be, God, I realize now I cannot boast in my own strength. I cannot boast in my own abilities. I cannot boast in my own talents. I cannot boast in my own wisdom. I cannot boast in anything I have. But I want to get desperate for you. I want to get really desperate for you. And you know, he's waiting on you. He's waiting on me. We're not waiting on God to do anything. He's waiting on you and me to start worshiping him. Let me ask you this morning. When was the last time you won a battle by praising him? When was the last time you got in a hardship case, a troubled time, and the first thing you did was praise Him? For some of us, it's probably been a long time because it doesn't make any sense. But how many know with God, it does not have to make sense? We can trust in God. He can handle anything. My question is today, will you trust in Him? Will you trust Him when the wheels are coming off in your life, when things are falling apart because He's still good and He's still holy? My final point this morning as we close is decision. 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 When was the last time you made a real decision, you're going to stand and you're going to fight the battle that God has allowed you to be a part of? Because I think some battles, most battles, are God-ordained because He's going to do something greater in our lives. So this morning, you need to make a decision. And if you're not going through something right now and everything is peaceful and bliss in your life, praise God for that. Tomorrow it may not be. And tomorrow it probably won't be. You've got to trust Him. You've got to trust Him. We've got to learn to depend upon Him. So this morning, my prayer is that every one of us will say, God, give me a heart to trust you. God, give me a heart to get desperate for you. I don't do this every Sunday, but I'm going to give an altar call this morning. I'm going to have you stay seated for just a few minutes. But if you're battling a battling right, a battle right now, let me just tell you, the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. It was His before you came in here, but you've heard a message like this that just reinforces what I'm saying. And what God is saying, hand it to me. I'm going to give you the opportunity to hand your battle over to God up here at this altar. So if you have something going on in your life, And I want the rest of you to bow your hearts in prayer, your heads in prayer, and just be in an attitude of prayer while those are coming because I know without a doubt there are people in this room that are desperate for help right now. I've been there. I've done that, and God has always been faithful. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to come. While Austin plays, I'm going to ask you to come. And I want you to be praying for those that come. And if I need more prayer helpers, I'll get them. But I want you to come. Now could you stand your feet? We serve such an awesome God, such a wonderful God. Could we bow our hearts as we close? Father God, help us all to realize that you will always let situations arise in our lives that are bigger than we are, that are bigger than we can handle. And God, it's because you want to do a bigger thing in and through it. Father, because you love us that much, that you want us to see you as our ultimate strength, our ultimate provider. And the Father, I thank You for the promise that we're going to make it through through whatever struggle, whatever problem, whatever we're going through. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we'll stop trying to handle it ourselves. We'll turn it over to You. We'll let You take control. Father, I pray that You would move every heart in this place to become desperate for You like we've never been desperate for You before. Help us to move forward in faith and realize above all else that the battle is not mine. It's the Lord's. The battle is not Yours today. It's the Lord's, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Go out and love Jesus with your life. You're dismissed. God bless you all.